previously on the Florida Files. Um, she's not breathing and she's not Anna Nicole Smith was discovered unconscious in her room at the Hard Rock around 2 o'clock this afternoon. At 2.49 this afternoon, we were advised by hospital personnel that Anna Nicole Smith had died. She just forgot who she really was and, and just lost that. The months leading up to Anna Nicole Smith's death at the Hard Rock Hotel are writing on the wall. In the Broward County Medical Examiner's 84-page report from March 2007, it details, quote, the last few months. One of the most significant events, the death of her son, Daniel, 20 years old. Her affectionate name for him was Punkin. Vicki Lynn Hogan Smith gave birth when she was just 18 and married to Billy Wayne Smith, a fry cook she met while waitressing at Jim's Crispy Fried Chicken in Mexia, Texas. It was a different time and a million miles in the past from where Anna Nicole Smith is now. Perper's notes spell out the roller coaster of Anna's past few months. Birth of daughter, Danny Lynn, September 2006. Death of son, Daniel, three days later. Emotionally devastating depression. He then documents a near-drowning episode. Some say it was a suicide attempt after Danny's death. It was October 2006. Howard K. Stern, her lawyer and companion, finds her face down in the pool at the waterfront mansion in Nassau, Bahamas. He calls for her bodyguard, Big Mo, a trained paramedic who pulls her from the pool and administers CPR. He saves her life. Perper states clinically in the report, it is associated with a probable drug intoxication resulting in pneumonia. She's then hospitalized for collapsed lung. Perper continues, suicidal comments in short term after son's death, additional stressors, paternity suit, suit regarding ownership of residents in the Bahamas. She's fighting with the owners of the mansion she's living in called Horizons, a waterfront estate in Nassau, Bahamas, among the luxury gated homes on Eastern Road but the owners want her, Howard, and newborn Danny Lynn out. Anna Nicole claims the home was a gift from South Carolina developer G. Ben Thompson, and she holds the deed to the property. Thompson says no way. He only loaned Anna the house with a promise that she would pay him 900 grand as a mortgage. He says she hasn't paid him a penny. In this report on Good Morning America on November 2, 2006, a distraught Anna Nicole Smith breaks down as she talks about the death of her son Daniel and the house dispute. It previews an exclusive interview she's done with Entertainment Tonight. Stern is seated close, next to her. Horrible, you know, that everyone now is just throwing everything on us at our, our lowest point in life. For the first time since the mysterious death of her 20-year-old son Daniel, Anna Nicole Smith is finally speaking out. In an interview scheduled to air tonight, she tells The Insider and Entertainment Tonight how she struggled to pull herself together after her son's unexpected death. She said she'll never accept that he's gone. I understand what God took him and didn't save me. 
Her son died only three days after the former Playboy playmate gave birth to a new baby girl. Her son had come to see her in her Bahamas hospital room, then suddenly died. It was reportedly caused by a lethal and accidental combination of antidepressants and methadone. This morning, the 38-year-old is back in that same hospital suffering from pneumonia, having just undergone surgery to drain fluid from a partially collapsed lung. If I didn't have Howard, or my baby, I wouldn't be here. For Good Morning America, Tayuna Hernandez, ABC News, New York. There are many that believe that Anna lost her will to live after Daniel died. Beverly Hills clothing designer and close friend Paula Too is one of them. Do you think um, that the death of Daniel really just broke her down? The fact that her whole life was based off of what Daniel was all about because everything she did do was for her son Daniel and after losing Daniel it seemed like um, she lost a little sparkle in her eye it was pretty devastating for her I always say she you know she died of a broken heart local 10 and local 10.com present the Florida files I'm Michelle Solomon, and this is The Death of a Bombshell, how Anna Nicole Smith became part of the Florida Files. Daniel's autopsy is performed on September 11, 2006, at Nassau's public hospital, Princess Margaret. It's just down the road from where Danny Lynn is born on September 7th, and where he dies on September 10th, at the private doctor's hospital, only four minutes away. But on September 17, 2006, a second autopsy takes place. Anna Nicole Smith's companion and lawyer, Howard K. Stern, calls noted forensic pathologist Cyril Wecht, who has a reputation for follow-up forensics. High-profile death cases like Elvis Presley, John Benet Ramsey, and Chandra Levy. He would later be summoned to Broward County to conduct a second autopsy on Anna Nicole Smith upon her death in Florida. He writes two chapters in a book called A Question of Murder about the deaths of Anna Nicole Smith and her son Daniel. How did you get involved in those two cases? I one day got a call uh, from uh, Howard uh, K. Stern, whom I did not know, and uh, he asked me um, if I could uh, come down to do an autopsy on uh, Daniel Smith. I knew nothing um, at all about uh, the case. Uh, I don't believe at that time. I'm sure I didn't know nothing about it. And no previous contact of any kind with uh, Anna Nicole Smith uh, or Howard K. Stern. Did he feel the Bahamas wouldn't do a thorough autopsy? I, 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 I don't know. I don't recall his uh, expressing any particular concern. Um, I uh, don't know. And, you know, I never ask people uh, when they call. Uh, so, in any event, uh, that's what happened. And uh, cleared uh, and uh, made arrangements and, and went down there. So his death was from 
a no foul play from a number of, of drugs, but there were people that yes, were... Yes, no, no, no foul play. And ultimately, um, it was determined, uh, no question at all, about the cause of death, um, and <clears throat> no question you know, about the drugs and when they would have had to have been taken. And the question then, and I don't know if it's still outstanding, perhaps in people's minds, it may well be, because I'm not sure myself, I don't think I know for certain, um, did he bring drugs, uh, some drugs with him? Did he get drugs uh, from there in his mother's room? Um, did Howard Stern, and not maliciously, but uh, uh, possibly, I don't know, have any drugs to share with him celebrating uh, the uh, uh, arrival of his half-sister, whom he was seemed very, very overjoyed with? But there's no question that it was accidental. Um, no question that it was not suicide. He was delighted, uh, truly thrilled to do with his uh, baby sister. And, uh, no question in my mind that it was not homicide. And I don't think it was anybody's, I mean, there are always some people that uh, suggest things and so on. I, uh, no, I'm aware of that. I think I refer to it in the chapter. Some uh, person, uh, well, uh, Howard Stern uh, got rid of the son, then he would marry her, and he would uh, then... Yeah, it's total bullshit. I mean, I just, uh, it's absurd. Howard K. Stern appears on Larry King Live 10 days after Daniel's death. She's struggling with her emotions. It's been uh, very rough. And she said that she didn't want to trade out children, meaning she didn't want uh, one to be born and another to die. But Stern has his own stresses. There are accusations that he had something to do with Daniel's death. And even though Wecht and a Bahamian pathologist conclude that Daniel Smith died from an accidental overdose of methadone and two antidepressants, an inquest is opened. On March 31, 2008, a seven-member jury in Nassau deliberates for two hours. They decide no criminal charges in Daniel's death after hearing from more than two dozen witnesses. One of those witnesses is Anna Nicole's former boyfriend and father of Anna's daughter, Danny Lynn. I asked Larry Burkhead about how Daniel's death affected Anna Nicole Smith and his take on Daniel's use of drugs. Do you think um, Daniel's death was really her demise? Well, I remember talking to her on the phone. I just remember she just, when she wasn't talking about Daniel, she was kind of okay, and then she just shut down. And Daniel, she just couldn't even talk anymore. And I understand it. Um, but, um, it was just one of those things where I don't think she could have recovered. Now, I do often think that if I could have got down there, maybe I could have helped her more or I could have, you know, whatever. And if it wasn't the way things ended with us, you know, the all the court stuff or whatever, um, that things could have been different. Did you ever have any any belief in any of the suspicious stuff? Well, I mean, you know, the thing is, is that Daniel, the thing that a lot of people don't know that I knew that people weren't privileged to, and, and I had to sit back and listen to Anna's mom, you know, mouth off in the press. Daniel never did this, and Daniel never took drugs. Well, she hadn't seen Daniel for years. She wouldn't know what Daniel did. And so, you know, that's the thing. Daniel was running with a, uh, a group of kids that probably, you know, some of them were partying and doing different things, and it was known that Daniel was having issues. And so that's why people didn't know, because people hadn't seen Daniel since the last time he did Daniel's reality show, and they didn't know what he was up to. He was, you know, he was 
running around with the group. He was also staying out past curfews. He was taking the car when he wasn't supposed to. He was, you know, he went through a drastic uh, change of his weight uh, when he was hanging around with some kids, and it led his mom to question things. And you know, that's why when we, was the Daniel's death and the whole inquest went down, there were people in that room that pretended to know what they were talking about. And when it came down to it, it was basically no one really knew except a few people what Daniel was going through, you know, a good kid or whatever. And he was a great kid. I don't mean that in a bad way. Daniel was a good kid. I think what happened to Daniel was, you know, he went and hung out with the, the wrong group of kids, and he, he was, you know, into mischief, and one thing led to another, and that's what it was. And I, I can tell you this. Daniel knew that I was the father of Anna's baby because we talked about it in front of Daniel. And so he did know that, and Daniel and I always got along. Howard K. Stern's friend and attorney, Krista Barth, on Daniel's death. Um, there was a lot of talk, and, and I'm true, not true, whatever, that um, Howard had a lot of accusations about Danny's death, because that was in the Bahamas. He was apparently... It was him and Anna and, and Dan, Danny had come to see his new baby sister. That is correct that there were accusations unfounded, just like all of the accusations against Howard. I think he was just an easy scapegoat. I think, unfortunately, Daniel had issues that, remember that before Daniel died, Anna was gone for a period of time. She had been in the Bahamas for some time. So I don't know that at the time Daniel and Anna were as close as they had been. They certainly weren't living together. And Daniel at that point was an adult and making some decisions that might not have been best. Had Anna been home, she may have known these things. And by home at that point, I meant back in California. I think at, at the period of time that Daniel came down, it wasn't known exactly what was going on with Daniel, but certainly Daniel had had some problems back home. This didn't happen out of nowhere, as people say. Like, oh, just, you know, some big mystery. I think people that use drugs overdose. I think that's not an unusual thing. And especially today, I think people look at it much more differently than they did back then. I mean, unfortunately today, things like that are totally rampant. So I think that it just created the perfect storm. Anna was gone, mom was away. I, I don't know exactly what happened. I mean, none of us were, were there, but certainly had nothing to do with his mom or with Howard or anybody else. Paging through Perper's report, there are many ominous page titles. This one is striking, the final week. And the information, just as desperate. He states that while in the Bahamas, she has injections into her buttocks of B12 or HGH, human growth hormone. He says she plans a trip from Bahamas to Fort Lauderdale for Monday, February 5th, 2007. His timeline lays out that she has an 11 a.m. dance lesson in preparation for a music video and participation in a trim spa celebration that she planned to shop for furniture in Miami for her Bahamas home and had stated an intention to psychiatrist and friend, Dr. Christine Arasevich, that she would marry Howard K. Stern on February 28, 2007. 
that prior to the flight, her left buttock was injected with either vitamin B12 or immune protective medications. Perper says that during that flight on February 5, 2007, she complains of pain in her left buttock while sitting, that she's cold and has severe chills in the limousine ride to the Seminole Hard Rock Hotel. She's checked into room 607 at 7.30 p.m. Already, she has a temperature of 105 degrees. After her death, Perper explains the turn of events at a press conference. The uh, attendants of Mrs. Nichols Smith found her collapsed and unconscious. Uh, she apparently had been sick for several days, which what was approximately some kind of stomach flu. And when she arrived to the hotel at about 7.30 p.m., uh, it was found that her temperature was extremely high, was 105 degrees Fahrenheit. She was asked by her friends to go to an emergency room to a hospital called 911, and she firmly refused. Her status would rapidly decline from there. On that Monday evening, she falls asleep at 10 p.m. after taking a dose of chloral hydrate. Perper states that the recommended dose is one to two teaspoons prior to bed. But Anna has her own routine. She swigs two tablespoons, or as he writes, sometimes drinks directly from the bottle. The next morning, a nurse traveling with her notes a pungent odor emanating from her. Perper states in the report it is apparently sweat that is soaking the sheets. In the afternoon, she takes more chloral hydrate and sleeps for two hours. She doesn't leave the Hard Rock Hotel room at all. During her time at the Hard Rock Hotel, she's downing the chloral hydrate and popping medications. On Wednesday, February 7th, the day before her death, she eats breakfast, an egg white omelet with spinach. But that afternoon, the nurse finds her naked and confused, sitting in a dry bathtub. She becomes upset when her friend Dr. Arasevich says she has to leave town that evening. She begs her to stay, but Arasevich leaves. At 10 p.m., Anna watches TV. On Thursday, February 8th, she takes more chloral hydrate before falling asleep in the early morning. Howard tells investigators that when he wakes up sometime around 9 or 10 a.m., Anna is awake, but she says she feels weak and asks him to help her to the bathroom and then back to bed. Perper's report says at noon, Anna is seen sleeping by Tasma Breithop, a registered nurse who is married to Anna's bodyguard, Big Mo Maurice Breithop. It's 1 p.m. The common-law wife of Anna's boat captain, King Eric Gibson, who's traveled with Anna to Florida, Bridget Nevin, is in the room. She's the one who realizes that something is wrong. Anna Nicole can't be awakened. Tasma frantically telephones Mo to have him call 911. Remember, Howard is at the boat dock, but he has been notified of the emergency. By this time, he's racing back to the hotel. 1.40 p.m., Seminole EMS is called. They arrive at 1.46 p.m. After attempts to revive her, the ambulance arrives at 2.43 p.m. at Memorial Regional Hospital, 
4.3 miles away, a 13-minute drive from the Hard Rock Hotel and Casino. 2.49 p.m. Purpose reports as Anna Nicole Smith is pronounced dead at Memorial Regional Hospital, just six minutes after the arrival. Next day, Friday, February 9th, Perper arrives at his office like he does every day. But today, the woman who is waiting inside for him isn't his usual case, and the Broward County Medical Examiner will too be thrust into the spotlight. Local 10's Alex Loeb reports. Dr. Joshua Perper, Broward County's chief medical examiner, arrives at 8.30 this morning. His job, to perform the autopsy of Anna Nicole Smith, whose body was transferred to the medical examiner's office on Thursday. Perper has said that if Smith died from natural causes, the results would be announced quickly. However, if drugs were involved, the toxicology reports could take several weeks. Meanwhile, a war of words has erupted as to how Smith died. Her former attorney, Michael Scott, says that drugs definitely played a part in her death, just as they did in the death of her son, Daniel. Smith's mother even said on GMA this morning that her daughter definitely dabbled in drugs. However, Anna Nicole's current attorney, Ron Rail, says that is a bunch of nonsense. He claims Anna Nicole Smith had flu-like symptoms and a fever all week. The autopsy obtained by the Florida Files is dated February 9, 2007. The ME describes much about the body, including a detailed description of Anna's tattoos, a pair of red lips in the right lower abdominal quadrant, two red cherries are on the right mid-pelvis, a Playboy bunny is on the left anterior mid-pelvis, the words Daniel and Papa's are on the mid-anterior pelvis region. Perper says there's a mixed tattoo on the right lower leg and ankle, Christ's head, our Lady of Guadalupe, the Holy Bible, the naked torso of a woman, the smiling face of Marilyn Monroe, a cross, a heart, and shooting flames. A mermaid on a flower bed with a pair of lips underneath lays across her lower back. He also points out the abscess from the left buttock that appeared infected and chronic repeated injections of various medications in the buttocks. He mentions bilateral breast implants with scarring and the weight of the implants. He also says DNA was collected. But there are more possible reasons for her death, so Perper isn't releasing anything right away. On February 19, 2007, he writes this, additional laboratory tests are still pending, so I'm not releasing the findings just yet. Um, at this time, we do not uh, make a determination of the cause and the manner of death. And basically we have a long list of uh, investigation procedures which have to be completed and include an extensive review of the medical records, interviewing the with witnesses which were with Mrs. Smith or witnessed her collapse. His report digs deep into chloral hydrate and chloral hydrate toxicity. Pathologist Weck says he's intrigued by Anna Nicole's use of chloral hydrate, a drug that he hasn't seen prescribed in years. 
Her death was primarily due to chloral hydrate. Why would somebody want chloral hydrate? Well, the suggestion there is, and it's conjecture, but not wild conjecture, and she tried to emulate Marilyn Monroe in many respects, and uh, um, that was the drug that led to Marilyn Monroe's death. I hardly ever use. I don't. I don't see it uh, in any of my uh, talks reports. Uh, come to think of it, uh, I don't know the last time. I can't even think when I saw chloral hydrate. But they said, "How the hell we damn the close enough to get it?" And the only thing that makes sense is she wanted to. Uh, Marilyn used it, and that's what she wanted to use. In a television interview, Anna talks about her obsession with Marilyn Monroe. She's been my idol for many, many years. I, I just love her. A lot of people give me presents um, that have Marilyn Monroe on them because they know that I really like her because I have pictures everywhere in my house. Meanwhile, Anna's body remains at the Broward County Medical Examiner's Office while the battle for where her body will be buried begins to play out in court. Local 10's Roger Losey reports. Fast forward five days and her body remains in the cooler here at the medical examiner's office under tight security. Outside, Anna fans are paying their respects. I respected her for being a mother and caring for her children. Today, the county coroner took calls from attorneys representing both Howard K. Stern and Virgie Arthur, Anna's mother, asking the body be released for burial. On February 14, 2007, the court hearing begins, a virtual three-ring circus over who will decide what happens to Anna Nicole's body. It's now been almost a week since the Playboy Playmate was taken to the Broward County Medical Examiner, but there's a battle for the body that will stretch on and on for days. It's been nearly a week since the celebrity model died, and tonight her boyfriend, Howard K. Stern, is formally asking the court to release her body to him so he can bury her in the Bahamas. Stern claims to be the executor of Anna's will, and according to the birth certificate, is the father of Smith's five-month-old daughter, Danny Lynn. Can you talk about how this delay is affecting Mr. Stern emotionally? Here's how it's affecting Mr. Stern. Every day that goes by that there is not a resolution to this matter is a day where Mr. Stern is up all night and dealing with these things and very sad. Stern's claim to the remains is being contested by Anna's estranged mother, Virgie Arthur, who argues she should get the body because she's the legal next of kin. What does Anna's mother want this court to do? I'll let her take her daughter home to bury her to Texas where she was born and raised. The judge appointed to the case, state court judge for the circuit court of the 17th Judicial Circuit of the state of Florida in Broward County, Larry Seidlin, says Anna's body isn't going anywhere. Both sides want to settle this matter quickly because according to the coroner, the body is beginning to deteriorate. I'm not releasing a body. This body belongs to me now. But Judge Larry Seidlin told both sides to cool it, that their concerns over the condition of Anna's remains are no concern of his. That baby is on a cold, cold storage room. It's not decaying so fast. I can go over there now and look at it, and I go back in a month and still look at it. So there's no rush. We're not rushing. I am not rushing. We're crossing every T and dotting every I. I'll see you tomorrow at 
Coming up next on The Florida Files, join me, Michelle Solomon, for my interview with Judge Larry Seidlin and inside the televised proceedings that rivaled the O.J. Simpson case for ratings. That's next on The Florida Files. Get more of the story and online extras, including archived video and photos at local10.com. Are you a fan of the Florida Files? Tell us what you love about the series on Apple Podcasts and join other fans in leaving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Apple Podcasts.